0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swaty Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, we're back. We're back here in gloomy Illinois as it is raining today as we are recording this podcast on June 29th, a completely different Weather than we were used to last week in California. While we weren't talking to them, we were pre-recording to talk to them last week.
0: I got used to that weather. <laughs> I got used to that weather big time. Uh, I'm ready to, I'm ready to stay out there. I was ready to stay out there. I'm ready to back. go up. No, I'm like, gosh, Brandon, no. we got to
1: get on the plane. We got to come back. And Brandon's like, no, nah, I'm going to stay here, guys. I'm gonna stay here. I completely
0: had a whole strategic plan in my mind. Brandon almost of setting started up, setting the MVP up studios. studio LA. out there in California, mm-hmm. out in L.A. You know where everyone else is. <laughs> I'm sure there was still would have been plenty of room, um, but uh, no, we're happy to be back here, mm-hmm. being able to talk with all of you, and uh, now dive into the SEC, one of my favorite conferences. Well,
1: and Brandon kind of stole my thunder. We're now moving on to another conference, the second conference of our previews, and that is the SEC. How we're kind of doing things for the kind of overall arc of this is we hit the champion. Now we're going to hit the runner-ups conference. Then we will hit the Big Ten because they lost the national championship, then the Pac-12, then the Big 12, and that's kind of how our Power Fives are going to go the rest of this kind of offseason before we get—I think it's under 70 days now. I think—I believe it's under 70 days or under 60-some days until we get football in late August, and I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for it. I
0: was going to say, sometime last week, I think it was 69 days that we had uh, until game day. Yeah. And how exciting was that? Well, I, I said to Ricky, I think it was, <laughs> at one point it was 12 weekends. 12 mm-hmm. weekends, 10 weekends or something like that till game day. I go, is that for real? I can't wait. Because that seems like really, really soon. And I'm excited.
1: Well, and we are going to start this week where we are going to look at Alabama's side of the SEC next week. We'll look at the East today. We're looking at the West and we're gonna start things off with the abysmal Old Miss <sighs> Old Miss Rebels. And I kind of say that because this is a team, Brandon, last year, coming into last year, had a lot of expectations. People were talking about, you know what, what can Chad Kelly do? What can this team do? This is a team that can make the playoffs. This is a team that's going to be looking for that postseason appearance. Two and six in the conference, five and seven overall. And this year seems to be, to me, a dud year for the Rebels already out of the gate because they didn't have a postseason appearance last year. They're not going to have one this year as they've self-imposed a one-year bowl ban on themselves, trying to basically save a little bit of face from the NCAA so that they possibly don't get a harder penalty after that investigation is done. But. This season, I kind of feel like for the Rebels, is already off to a bad start, and we haven't even played one snap of camp yet this season.
0: It's it's not exactly how they would want to start. It certainly isn't. And I, I think that you look at what it was a couple of years ago, it was, you know, is it going to be Alabama and Ole Miss? Mm-hmm. You know, these are going to be the two top dogs, and I think that at a point that was the truth. Uh, but... Last season, it was not good. Nothing seemed like it could go right for Ole Miss. And you, you take a look at some of the games that they played. They were just, they were just flat out terrible. And they just flat out did not play well. That first game against Florida State, and I understand that it's Florida State, but Florida State now, then we weren't quite sure what Florida State was going to be. We figured they'd be good, but we didn't know how they would be. And I almost feel like the Rebels gave that game away. Florida State had a fight, and they had a claw to get back and win. But you lost that game that you pretty much had in hand, and you didn't lose it because of your offense. You lost it because you, your defense mm-hmm. couldn't stop anything. And,
1: I mean, Dalvin Cook in that game gave you gave that defense some gifts, gave you oh, he did. some gifts oh, coughing up the football in that game.
0: He absolutely did. And, and then you look at uh, in an Alabama game that the score looked a lot closer than what that game was. The Ole Miss was down by two or three touchdowns towards Mm -hmm. the towards the end. They were able to get some points back, but Alabama had that game locked up pretty well. Uh, uh, You look a string of just losses: two on the road, one at home. Arkansas, LSU, and Auburn—all three right in a row. This team just gave up too many points. They gave up too many points. They they didn't really in 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 any way have things necessarily going well or working for them. Mm -hmm. When you go two and six in your conference you're not a strong team and that's getting far away from a Hugh Freeze team where you think of a Hugh Freeze team, you think of a guy who's that offense is going to be a strong, high powered offense. They're going to just sling the football around the yard. They're going to be competitive. They're going to all these different things. And none of those things happened last year for Ole Miss. And it's one of those situations where you now come into this 2017 season with no expectations not certainly not high expectations. And now it's where do you go from here? And it's going back to the drawing board, coming up with a new strategy and a new game plan with a lot of all new players. Mm-hmm. And 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 very really quickly you look at some of the guys that are gone, you know, you got a new guy, quarterback, and Shea Patterson, who everyone is very high on. Very, very excited about what he can bring to the table. But you also lose Evan Ingram. Uh, strength fellow, Quincy at a, at a, at a baijo, uh, I think that uh, those are some guys that were focal points and huge pieces mm-hmm. for this team to be successful offensively when the defense wasn't doing well. Now the defense, it's, uh, it's hard to go backwards from where they were, but that offense, I think that you're going to have a really solid focal point in, in Shea Patterson at the quarterback position but it's the other guys around him in the receiver position of what will they be able to do and how quickly, how quickly will they be able to make an impact?
1: Well, and I mean the two big ones that people are looking at, you mentioned the wide receivers, sophomores A.J. Brown and then D.K. Metcalf. Those are the two that are the most intriguing, but like you said, Evan Ingram's not there. I believe he's with the Giants now. He got picked up by the Giants or the Browns somewhere. He's in the NFL is basically what I'm trying to say, and he was a guy that had eight touchdowns for you. And Patterson, although he's a sophomore, he had to lose his red shirt last year after Chad Kelly kind of tore his eight. Well, didn't kind of. He did. He tore his ACL, and he had to come in and play the last two games. And I look at the games that he played. You play against Texas A&M on the road. You go Just under 60% completions, two touchdowns, one INT. At Vanderbilt, two touchdowns, no INTs. You play Mississippi State, and you throw two touchdowns and two INTs. Now, you lost two of those games, but you look at the offense and the defense. Like you said, they gave up a lot of points, 38 to Vanderbilt and 55 in that Mississippi State game. However, you only scored 20 and 17, respectively, against Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, so you weren't putting up points. and That Texas A&M one was just a one-point victory, and I looked at the schedule for this year, and the beginning of the schedule kind of scares me a little bit if I'm an old Miss Rebel fan, and it's not because of your first two games. I mean, South Alabama, that should be an easy win. UT Martin, that should be another easy win. But September 16th all the way to October 7th, You've got three tough road games. Cal and ugh, Cal's going to be a tough one cuz it's on the road. I'm not really huge on Cal, but I'm not huge on Old Miss either. But then right after that, you go to Alabama to play the Crimson Tide. That's a loss, sorry. Not going to happen. And then you go on the road to play Auburn. That's a loss. Not going to happen. So, you could be lose like this Old Miss team before they get to the meat of their conference schedule could already be what would that be 2 and 3 by the time we hit the middle of october they could be 2 and 3 and i know what you're saying but ricky that's only one game under 500 i don't think like lsu i think is a loss mississippi state i don't think you're going to beat them this year arkansas i think will be a little bit better this year this team needs to win those games the Texas A&M's, the Mississippi State's, the Arkansas, the Vanderbilt's. Because when I look at Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, those three teams are in a class of their own. And Old Miss don't have a shot against them this year.
0: Well, they don't. And I think that, uh, you know, and we'll get into it obviously mm-hmm. later on this on this podcast when we're talking about the other teams in the West. But it's a lot of these teams are making strides. A lot of these teams have some pieces already in place or some guys that they know. OK, you know, we mm-hmm. lost some guys, but these guys were, were already filling in last year, already getting some experience last year. Whereas a lot of these guys are are it's going to be it's going to be a lot of new faces. It's going to be a lot of new guys kind of being thrown into the fire. And That can always be difficult. I don't see Ole Miss being able to get out of the gutter. I don't see them being able to get out of the bottom part of that division. I just don't see it. Not Mm -hmm. for this year. And, And Shea Patterson, as talented as he is, as good as he's going to be, you can't expect him to come out and be the, you know, even at the level of Chad Kelly. You know, you can't expect that. You can't expect that in in his year one. And when I say Chad Kelly, a healthy Chad Kelly that was very, very good two years ago. I think that uh, for for anyone to think that, oh, he's going to come out right out of the gates and do that, it's kind of a a thought that, you know, wishful thinking. And I love it. You know, I do wishful thinking too with a lot of my teams. Um, But You have to be realistic sometimes, and and understand that you know there's just there comes a point, there comes a time when you have to temper your expectations, and you have to realize that you may go through now a year, a two years, uh, where your team's not going to be all that great. Mm -hmm. But that comes down then to again Hugh Freeze being able, being able to uh, recruit well, and that goes back to then him being able to stockpile. A, in a very, very good recruiting class in 2015 when he got Van Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, these guys, some of these receivers who are ready, who did get some time, and I think that it just may need a little bit of time for them all to mesh together with this new quarterback, but I think that they've got the guys in place for it long term for the next couple of years. That's why I'm saying that I don't know about this year, but next year, the year after, and if if, if uh, solid recruiting continues and Hugh Freeze is known to be able to do it in the SEC, they usually are, that will be something that's a very, very interesting and fun thing to watch as an Ole Miss fan down the line.
1: I just, to me, this season, this is my final thought on Ole Miss in general, I think that because of their self-imposed ban, and I get why they did it. They want that, oh, you know what, we're, we're going to slap, a, you don't have to slap our wrist, we'll do it ourselves. Hoping that the NCAA, after their investigation, that is still going on as it approaches its fifth birthday, you already kind of shot yourself in the foot. Because there is no postseason for this team. And I know that a fan from Old Miss is going to go, well, I'm really excited to see how this team improves. I'm going to speak to you as a Bulls fan right now. I am not excited to see my team improve and grow together. The, th- the reason why we watch our teams is not only because we, A, love them, but because we want them to be successful, and the goal for every team is to win a championship. Now, that goal for some teams is more obtainable than, Than others, South Alabama, I'm sorry, is not going to win a national championship anytime soon. What are you talking about? But this is a season that I think is already lost. And it's like, yeah, you can play the kind of the angle of, well, if this team improves and then next year, well, next year the NCAA could hit you with a lot bigger of a penalty for this. So. If I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm looking at this season as, A, already lost. And I'm not excited for this season if I'm an Ole Miss football fan. And it's kind of one of those things where I look at it and I go, I kind of feel for the Ole Miss fans because I wouldn't want this for my team. I wouldn't want to go into a season knowing I could not play a playoff game. And that's why I think this season is lost because of their self-imposed band.
0: I think that... The only way that this season would be lost is if their defense does not improve. Because Shea Patterson is the real deal. Mm-hmm. He showed it last season. He showed it last season in games like Texas A&M. He showed it in games that, you know, you're not going, it's not a South Alabama. You're going up an SC, against an SEC foe, an SEC rival. And he's got some rising sophomore talent the guys I mentioned earlier that could do that. But if the defense is unable to stop people in crunch time, if the defense is unable to stop anybody from being able to score against them consistently, that's the lost season. You know, put a self-imposed in in, 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 you know, ban on it. You know, that sucks. That is awful. But if your team continues to play well, then it is worth something. You know, it is worth something. And yes, it hurts at the end to know, okay, if your team goes 10-2, and that you go, "Mm, I know that we would be there. I know that we can make it to the college football playoff. I know that we could do well. I know we could win it. That's what goes through a fan's head. That's what goes through a, a fan's mind, especially at that point. Well, if you if you're 2 and 6 in the in the uh, conference and you're 5 and 7 overall, well obviously you're like, "Well, we sucked and we weren't going anywhere anyways." Well, that was well, wait, why did I spend any of my time watching them this year? Mm-hmm. It would make so much more uh, it would make it so much more enjoyable if you're watching a team that's good. So what? So what they can't get to the playoffs? That sucks. It does. But at least you were able to watch a good product on the field the entire year. Oh, man, you know, we're going to be we can be right here again next year. And we may not have that ban. You know, that's that's where I'm thinking as a fan. We may not have the ban next year. Who's saying that we do? We don't right now. We might. But who's saying that we have it right now? No one. And, and I think that that... Knowing that is the exciting part, is that, hey, you could be if you could be right here again next year with this product, with this talent, with these guys that are rising up, you could then beat the Alabamas and, and at least compete against them. That's what I would be excited about. I wouldn't look at it as a lost season. The only way I look at it as a lost season is if you don't play well. Simple as that, because then it's just crap.
1: Well, and this is where I want to pose a specific question onto to you guys, the listeners and the viewers out there. And it has to do with Hugh Freeze. And the thing I want to ask you guys is last season was the worst record that Hugh Freeze had as head coach of Old Miss. And taking that into account, if you have another, I'm going to say, abysmal season this year and couple those two with the ongoing investigation that really Hugh Freeze is at the middle of – all the problems when it stemmed around when Tunsil um, was coming out into the draft. And that's when we first started to have this pickup steam. I want to know what you guys, what your opinion is of the future. Usually I throw this at Brandon, but I want to throw it at you guys this time. How do you guys view the future of Hugh Freeze? Depending on this season, let's say it's another abysmal season. Cause that's kind of what I'm thinking in my head is going to be, the outcome this year. If you guys have another abysmal season, what do you think the future holds for Hugh Freeze and Old Miss? Let us know down below in the comments section. But Brandon, it's time to move over from one team in Mississippi to the other team in Mississippi as they were both at the bottom of the barrel in the SEC West last year as we have the Mississippi State Bulldogs now, 3-5 and five last year, 6-7. and seven. Overall, And with this team, I think it's an easy starting point, especially in my eyes, because this is usually the position that I like to focus on first. And this is the one that can, I usually think guess of it?
0: first. Can you guess it? Can you guess comment, it? If you guessed, Comment down
1: below. Quarterback.
0: If you guess quarterback, you are correct.
1: We're going to start with the quarterback. And Nick Fitzgerald last year taking over for a deck. Prescott almost 2,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Not bad. You'd like the completion percentage to be a little bit higher, only had 40, oh, 54.3 completion percentage last year. But, Brandon, he's still developing as a passer. Is this going to be the year where Nick Fitzgerald not only breaks out but makes the Mississippi State Bulldogs contenders again like they were with Dackey Prescott?
0: Well, it's really it's really difficult to write off the bat say that they're going to be contenders again. Only when you know what how top heavy mm-hmm. they can be, and especially with uh, the the big dogs like uh, LSU and Auburn trying to uh, retool and get all their guys and try and get back into it as and well.
1: Dethrone Alabama, and, who's up there at the top and on their own,
0: and they're gunning for them. But but I th- so I think that's a that's a tough one to say. But but when you talk about Nick Fitzgerald being able to break out, the the guy absolutely is on his way to breaking out. And some would say, well, he broke out last season. What are you talking about? But I think he has even more of an opportunity to break out this year within the passing game and hone his passing skills. I mean, we know what he did running the football. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what he did running the football, oh, he only carried the ball. He was the guy who carried the ball most on the team for hundred and ninety, uh, 195 times for over 1,375 yards and 16 scores all on the ground all on the ground you would think this guy was actually their running back no that was all on the ground by the quarterback nick nick fitzgerald he added in over 2400 yards through the air 21 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and this guy is good this guy is really good and if you watch some of the games that he played in last year he just knows how to he just knows how to see the field he knows how to see the field he makes good reads and the guy's got an arm he is so exciting to watch, and he is such a slippery player. He clearly can tell that with his stats in the running game. But I think that if they can add uh, some more around him, in the sense of not just him in the running game, I think if they can kind of uh, shore up the offensive line, which is uh, going to be interesting. Uh, it's a work in progress in, in that in that front five. But I, I am so hopeful. That Nick Fitzgerald is going to have himself a great season, and just now, you know, imagine him being able to hone those skills, uh, like we had mentioned at the beginning, and become this guy who is a pro-style quarterback. Mm-hmm. This Mississippi State team won't be at the bottom for long, and they have such an opportunity here. I I think that when you when you really look at things, it's it's been we always. Especially in the SEC, we always look at how they do against Alabama, how they do against. Well, they're
1: the measuring stick, you
0: know, big Big Brother, and they didn't do well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got they got smoked out of existence, fifty one to three was the final score. It's okay,
1: Dak Prescott couldn't beat them either, thirty one to six. That 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 was a bit of a stomping two years ago as well.
0: But I think ultimately, when you're looking at things on this team, it's It's that defense, Mm -hmm. and it's the amount of points that this defense gives up. I mean, 50, they gave up 50 or more uh, three times. No, two times. Pardon me, two times this year. They gave up 40 once, 38 another, Uh, but at the end of the season, they gave up 20 and 16 respectively. So they got better in the last two games, but the two games prior, they gave up 51 and 58, respectively. So now on defense, that's where I think, obviously, the focal point is in this one, Ricky. But going back again to the first question, mm-hmm. uh, yes, absolutely, he is primed for a breakout. But when I t- I'm talking breakout, I'm talking through the air as a quarterback well, throwing the football.
1: When I am saying, I'm on the same note as it's with his passing statistics, is what I'm going to look at, because just like in the SEC, you said we use Alabama as the measuring stick because of how good they are. Well, Nick Fitzgerald, because of what you bring, how you're able to be both a passer and a runner, I am going to measure you up against the guy who is now leading the Dallas Cowboys who was here before you in Dak Prescott, because he's a pretty good measuring stick. He's the same kind of quarterback.
0: And you're a big fan of his.
1: Well. In college, I liked him and uh, <laughs> 588 passing yards, ten touchdowns on the ground. He was good on the ground, but to me, where Dak Prescott made his money in college was the passing statistics. You look at the yardage; he had he was three just under, or actually just under two thousand yards, short of a four thousand yard season, or two hundred yards. That's what I meant two hundred yards short of that four hundred or four thousand. Yard season. Math is tough, guys. It is really tough. His completion percentage, nearly 12 percentage points, better than Fitzgerald had last year, and then touchdown to INT, 29 touchdowns to five INTs. So to me, if Fitzgerald wants to have that breakout season, it's very simple. Complete your passes, limit turnovers, and just find receivers. And that last one's going to be A little tough, I think, in my mind, because right now, Donald Gray seems to be the guy that people are looking at to be the number one. The only question is, can he be the number one for this team? Last year, Gray having only 41 receptions, 709 yards, and five touchdowns. Fred Ross was the leader on the team last year, and I think this year for Fitzgerald, because of Donald Gray, yes, he's the most experienced, but he the fact that he's got to prove himself as the number one, I think that Fitzgerald could lean more on the tight ends in Green and Johnson, and maybe that could help him a little more. But the biggest thing that I think Fitzgerald has to do in order to be successful is that completion percentage. I look at it, and 54% is not good enough. Like, when we talk NFL draft style, usually I say, well, if they're sitting around 60%, I'm happy with it. That's, you're about 6 percentage points off of that, so that's not that's not too good at all. You're closer to 50 than you are 60. That's just how numbers work. But I think he's got to get up to that 60% at the least. If he wants to help this team and help this team improve this year, however... I'm going to go on the flip side and say there was a wise man that once told me last year, Brandon, that the ceiling is the roof. Yes. And uh, that's kind of how I see it here, where the ceiling is definitely the roof. And the highest I see this team going, if they have an amazing season, is fourth in the division. And that's only because Arkan- like Arkansas is iffy. We're going to get to them. I really don't know how to gauge them. Texas A&M, I think, is going to fall off this year. However, those top three, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, I don't see Old Miss being better than any of them. So if they have a great season in their minds, I think they'll still be behind those three teams. You mean Mississippi Mississippi State? Yeah, Mississippi State.
0: Um, I I think that when you then move and look at the, the defensive side of the of things, which is where they really did kind mm-hmm. of fall down last well, year.
1: like you said, that 50-some points against Alabama. And then that next game, that was kind of like a shell-shocker game where it was like, whoa, we just gave up 52 points, and then they get into a shootout with... Arkansas in that next game
0: yeah Uh, but I I think that you have to also know too that Todd Grantham now is the new defensive coordinator he's already planning to change things up he's going to go with a three four um Mm -hmm. alignment he's got a really uh solid uh front three What he basically is trying to say is that our pass defense sucked and we need to do something different. So I think that that's what they need to be able to do. The secondary has upside, and they're going to need to be able to try and stop some of these really good receivers Mm -hmm. that they're going to be going up against throughout the season. Uh, There's an opportunity. There's a real chance for this defense to be better than 110th overall this next year. I mean, if they're into the 70s, if they're into the 60s, that would be awesome. (laughs) Um, But they cannot be 110 again. That was just, that's not going to win you any championships it's not going to get you into the top three and it certainly is not going to have your fans very happy uh, but we can't all just rag on the defense we also have to take a look at the special teams the field goal mm-hmm. kicker made only 11 of 19 field goals
1: you got to make them field goals. those have to be the automatic plays for them i
0: mean you know even if you're
1: 16 of 19
0: mm-hmm. 17 of 19 11 of 19 you want to kick ricky i've seen you do it
1: hey i can make it i can make it from 30 yards out. <laughs> he's
0: done it He's done it. I'm not, maybe I'm maybe not we'll very, show you the video. I'm one not day.
1: very consistently good at it, but I can do it. No, no, I you do don't it.
0: need to be though. He no, does. He does. So I, I think that that's that's one of the things too. You know, I don't want to make it seem like all oh, this mm-hmm. this defense is the only reason why. But and I don't also want to say that you know Weston Graves was you know the reason they lost every single game either. But he didn't help. Um, well, but but again all those things need to be it's uh, with a lot of these teams towards the bottom it's consistency mm-hmm. it's don't play you it's it, it's really difficult when you play one game and you score you know, 35 points and you hold the opponent to 20, it's really difficult when the next two games then you score 20 and you cannot hold the opponent below 40. That's really (laughs) difficult to be able to consistently be holding teams anywhere between 20 to 30. That should give you a chance in college just about every week an opportunity to win. But if you're going up 40 or above or even above 30, That's making it really tough then for your
1: offense. Well, and the thing that I look at, and of course the uh, LSU game is the only one out of the top three that is going to be at home for Mississippi State this year. I look at the quarterbacks for the top three right now, hypothetical top three in the SEC West. Alabama, we all know his name, Jalen Hurts. He's kind of a star there in Alabama. He's going to be a really good quarterback that you're... Pass defense that wasn't that good is going to have to go against. Then you also have an LSU. This is the guy that's kind of, to me, on the kind of, eh, you might be able to overcome him, and that's Danny Etling because last year, 19 of 30 in the game against Mississippi State, the 215 yards, one touchdown, no INTs. The no INTs is crucial because your quarterback threw zero touchdowns. Threw zero of them, and he didn't force... LSU to turn over the ball from the quarterback side of things. Now that game he only lost by three, but LSU got better this offseason. However, with losing Leonard Fournette, it's weird to say that. And then you look at Auburn. Auburn last year had Sean White. He's still on the team, but he's not the one people are going to look at not the one we're going to talk about later. They have Jarrett Stidham coming over from Baylor. So you're looking at two quarterbacks that beat you last year. And now Auburn got better at that position. That is a big reason with this defense why if if Mississippi State wants to beat any of those top three teams, that Nick Fitzgerald has to basically be on Broxton Miller Madden mode. Remember that when he played Virginia Tech? He has to be on that mode if he wants to beat those three teams. And that's why I said that the highest I see this Mississippi team offensively and defensively getting is to that fourth spot in the division. Because, I mean, I look at their schedule for this upcoming year, Brandon, and they should win the first game. The second game is going to be interesting. Louisiana Tech, they're not one to sleep on, and that's on the road. However, after that, LSU is going to be tough. Georgia on the road is going to be tough. Auburn on the road is going to be tough. BYU beat you last year. And then I have after that, after you could possibly lose four straight, then it's Kentucky probably a win, Texas ain't I'm a win, UMass a win, then Alabama lost Arkansas and Old Miss could be win. So at the end of it, I really let me count them up really quick. One, two, three, four, five, six. Maybe a six, maybe a seven-win season, depending on that la tech game. So a six-seven-win season is what I'm looking for right now from the Bulldogs. And this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think. How's Nick Fitzgerald going to do? Uh, is Mississippi State going to be better than they were last year? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, we're going to move on into the Arkansas Razorbacks now. And the thing I want to start with here is we're going to get to the running back situation because it, like this team huge injury at the running back position we're gonna get that but however we always start with the offense i want to start with the defense give them a little bit of love on this podcast and the reason why is because arkansas has a big name coming in to take over well big name to come in and take over their defense as paul Rhodes. you might remember him as the head coach for the cyclones in the big 12 no longer with isu he is now with the Arkansas Razorbacks as their defensive coach. And the thing that's interesting here is this defense is now going to have to get used to a new, a new scheme, the Paul Rhodes scheme that he brings in. The secondary is good, but the thing that is really bad for this team that I think will be, to me, this is going to be the biggest hurdle for this team is going up against the run. They got gashed last year. By almost every single team that played them on the ground. And I mean, I look at their schedule and two of the big games, they're lucky that they don't have to play Georgia. I looked for that one. I'm like, please tell me that they're playing Georgia this year. And you lucked out not playing Georgia. But yeah, like Bo Scarborough with Alabama, you have Geis with um, LSU. There are running backs in this conference that can beat you if you let them. I'm going to ask you to kind of start off. What do you think with Paul Rhodes in this defense? And does Arkansas get better against the run in 2017?
0: Well, I think that uh, when you take a look at some of the stuff that they did last year, just in general defensively, uh, they gave up 30, you know, 31 points per game mm-hmm. um, was on average what they would give up. They were just not good at all defensively. And then they allowed 30 or more points in six of eight SEC contests. You're not going to win those. You're just not going to win those most of the time. So when you're giving up that many points. So, and, and when you talk about, you know, giving up, um, you know yards and stuff against the run. That's that's where you're really getting hurt too, because you take a look at some of these quarterbacks like the Jalen Hurts and mm-hmm. the the uh, Franklins it's, it's and, and, and stuff backs. like that. It's these quarterbacks. These quarterbacks mm-hmm. can hurt you just just as much if not more than these running backs in the SEC. And and I think that I think that you you get a new guy in there, um, and you've got to have faith that they're going to get better. and that Because that's got to be a focus. That's got to be a focal point for this team that if they want to get better, they're going to have to focus on stopping the run in these games. Otherwise, you are absolutely out of luck for winning that football game.
1: Well, and that's the thing. You want to know a fun fact about Arkansas from last year? They gave up, what's the exact number, 39 rushing touchdowns. Not only was that a school record last year, to give up 39 rushing touchdowns, it was also the worst in the FBS. So they gave up the most rushing touchdowns in the FBS. Congratulations to the Razorbacks. But I think that I think that Rhodes has a big, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, a big challenge ahead of him because he was the secondary coach last year after being with the Cyclones. Before that, it's where I knew his name from when he was with Iowa State. And the only reason he's stepping in is Rob Smith found a job at Minnesota. And the secondary that he's got, like I mentioned before, they're the best unit. But overall, the big thing that I think will hurt this defense this year, and that's why they might lean on the offense, is inexperience. And the big thing that, now moving over to the offense really quick, the the big thing is they've got a huge injury at the running back position, Brandon. A huge injury at the running back position.
0: Yeah, they they really do. And uh, Raleigh Williams, who had a great season last year with over thirteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns, uh, out with a neck injury, and that is going to affect them all season long. So not just out, retired.
1: He is retired. He's not coming back at all.
0: No, it's and that that's. That's just awful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just awful. And, and unfortunately, you see that every every once in a while. Um, in sports, in football is, is the big one, is that you, you have an injury that you, you can't come back and play. And that's the biggest thing. You know, it's not just a year, it, but it's mm-hmm. it's that. So I'm um, really unfortunate there, but... Uh, but you know, for them, they've got to be able to move on as a team and and find the next guy up, and I think they're going to be able to do that. And uh, devwa Whaley, who will be able to come in there, I think, and and is talented enough to be able to take over and see what he's able to do now. Um, so I I, I there may be a little bit of fall off from what they got last year, but I think Whaley is a guy who you should be uh, confident in and and confident about that he'll be able mm-hmm. to. Uh, be a very formidable presence with the run game, and I think one thing though is it's their consistency in the run game of of being able to to run the football with uh, you know 223 rushing yards against Florida and 350 some rushing yards against Mississippi State, but then they come out with absolute clunkers against Missouri and Virginia Tech. And they can't run the football. Mm -hmm. So they've got to be consistent with that all throughout. Is that, you know, you're going and running against Florida and one of the best defenses in the SEC or in the nation. And you run all over them. And then you can't run on Mizzou? You kidding me? That's one thing, too, is that it's it's that consistency all the way around. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Whaley will be able to help with that. That's going to be really important for them. Well, and to thing, to be able, to be able to win, and 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 I know a guy that we really have not talked about yet is Austin Allen, their veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who he's he's kind of your key to this offense.
1: Well, and before we get into Allen, the one thing I kind of wanted to mention was I think with the running back position, the 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 bigger worry isn't whether Whaley is going to be able to replicate what Williams was able to do. I think the bigger worry is oh shit who do we have behind Whaley to take pressure off of him? They need to find a now number two threat to take that workload off of Whaley. So it's not like, well, you're the guy and go out there. You're basically going to wear and tear yourself for this team because we don't have anyone behind you. That's what they need to find as a number two running back. But also because of this injury, it just puts a little bit more pressure on the guy you just mentioned in Austin Allen, where He came out a strong start of the season last year, 18 touchdowns, six interceptions, 63% completion percentage through the first seven games. Then it was a bruised knee. And the rest of the way, after he had that knee knockup, it was just, it wasn't the same nine interceptions, seven touchdowns, a completion percentage that dropped to 58.8 in those last few games. And that's the thing that I think will be better If is if what we see or what we saw in those first seven games is what Allen's able to do throughout the entire season, then it will be good for Arkansas. But if something like this happens where he knocks something again and those stats go down a little bit and it bothers him, they have to have an answer to help him out because if they're going to have seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a 58.8 Completion percentage from the quarterback. You're not going to win many games in the SEC.
0: No, you're not. And I, I think I've, I've kept saying this, and in all of these, in all of these previews so far, it becomes
1: a trend with it, these previews. It, it really. The ACC had their own. The SEC's got something new.
0: It, it, it's it's consistency. I'm, mm-hmm. but, and that's I mean that is that is what the good teams have been able to find. You know the teams like Alabama you know and and let me not use alabama because they are in kind of a league of their own but even lsu even you know auburn and and, and i'm Myth not sa- coaching and,
1: changes and, at lsu too and
0: and i'm not even and i'm not even yes and i'm not even saying you know you know last year or the year but lsu overall mm-hmm. auburn for the most part overall they've stayed fairly consistent there aren't too many times when you came into a season going Mm, they're just not going to be good. You know, there's not too many times when you've said that. Mm-hmm. They've always been one of those teams where you're always like, wow, well, even knowing Alabama's going to beat them, you're like, man, this is going to be a good game. <laughs> this is going to be a great game. But I, I, I think that these teams towards the bottom, the, these teams that are. That have talent that have mm-hmm. some talent, you know their big thing is they they can 't stop people defensively is usually the problem, but that 's also consistency you know you have a you have a great drive here, but then the next three are clunkers and, and that's that 's a consistency thing that 's a you know being able to find a rhythm type thing and that's that 's all those all of those pieces that they need to need to be able to bring together and try and insert the puzzle pieces just right so that it 's working for them. But I, I think overall, you know, this offensive line is going to be returning four out of the five guys from last year. They're going to be better than what they were <laughs> last year. That should help take pressure off of Austin Allen, at quarterback. That should help to take pressure off of Devois Whaley at the running back position. I think that that is going to be such a huge key. And Whaley is probably the biggest one because he, he in his time last year, he had, I think, over 600 yards and three scores in his production last season. But now he's the guy and you're right. You know, being able to have had Raleigh Williams and Whaley at the same time mm-hmm. as a one two punch would have been something fantastic. But now having to take most of that on yourself until they find that the guy behind you who's going to be the part of that one two that that's the two of the one two punch, that's That's going to be a piece that I think before they get things started this year, they want to be able to figure that out.
1: Well, and the thing that I wanted to touch on just really briefly, because it was um, in response to something that you were saying with the consistency thing, a team that I think of that we're actually going to talk about their division in two weeks from now when we look at the Big Ten. But I kind of think of Michigan State for a while. It was always Michigan State's just going to be there. Ten wins, lock it down. Lock it down. Double-digit wins for the Spartans. That's why last year when they went 1-8 in the conference, you were like, whoa, what what's up with the Spartans, man? What is up with them? Like, They only won one more conference game than Rutgers. That's pretty bad. That's the lowest of the low when you've only got one conference win separating you from Rutgers. So. When, you, when
0: you're in the bottom and you're with Rutgers, we're not talking <laughs> academics. That's not good.
1: That's kind of what I thought of when you were kind of talking about consistency in kind of the teams getting away from Alabama. And the SEC, of course, LSU Auburn and Alabama have kind of Auburn's in the league of their own, like you said, but even Auburn or Alabama's in the league of their they've own. They've been there ma- your
0: mainstays.
1: And, they've been there even though they fall like Auburn has fallen off one season, but then they got back. huh It's it's not as drastic to where we fell off and then we stay here. And I look at this schedule. I'm looking at the schedule like I have for the last few teams. And a good thing for the Razorbacks, they, the first time they play one of the big three, that's what I'm going to call them, the big three, LSU, Auburn, <laughs> and Alabama, is October 14th. That means you have one, two, three, four, five games before you get to one of the big three. Now, after that, you have boom, boom, Alabama on the road, Auburn at home, but then you have LSU later. So kind of a little bit of a backloaded big three like schedule. And I look at I look at Arkansas's overall schedule and I look and I go, if you can sure up the defense a little bit, be able to stop the nosebleed on the ground a little bit better than you did last year. I think this could be a good year for Arkansas. Because I'm not high on Texas A&M, we're going to get to them next. I know that their game is going to be played in a neutral location. I'm not high on them. South Carolina, it's in South Carolina. That's going to be a tricky one. Old Miss, I do not have confidence in the Rebels this season. And then I believe this year Arkansas should be able to beat Missouri. And then for Mississippi State, it all depends on what we get from Nick Fitzgerald. But Arkansas, again, like the other teams we've talked about, Good luck beating one of the big three. Just good luck.
0: I think one of the last points that I wanted to make is in each individual game, you got to look at, it and it's really important when you when you take a look at it and you break it down, and you see okay how they played in the first half, how mm-hmm. they played in the second half, and when you come out in the second half, you usually, you typically want to uh, come out firing, and especially if you struggle in the first half, come out firing and and uh, hitting on all cylinders in the in the second half in that third quarter. But a stat from last season, so third quarter scoring, opponents for Arkansas scored 103 points in the third quarter. Arkansas only scored... 51 third quarter points.
1: So you got to come out better after half.
0: You need to be a better second half team mm-hmm. especially in the third quarter because if you're down already and you're giving up all these points and you cannot counteract that with anything else, that's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So they need to come out a stronger second half team and if they could do that, they could certainly help their cause a lot more because then that would put some take some pressure off like, "Oh, well we only scored, you know, 20 points in the first half. We can come right out score 20 points in the second half instead mm-hmm. of well, we Scored seven in the second half because we got none in the third quarter. We got seven in the fourth. So I think that's just another interesting stat to throw out there that they need to be a better second half team. Mm-hmm. And not even talking second half schedule, second half of the game.
1: Well, and to me, the last thing that I'll kind of say is the big points. I'll, I'll give a three keys to success if you are the Razorbacks. Number one is you got to you got to get that defense in shape. you got to get a new defensive coordinator coming in. Yeah, you're kind of promoting from in-house. Well, not kind of. You are promoting from in-house, but the defense needs to be able to stop the run a little bit better than they did last year. Allen has to have a more the word of the segment so far, and maybe we'll make it the word of the podcast, has to be more consistent than he was last year, and then find a a good number two behind Whaley. Those are the three things that I think – that if they're able to answer those three questions and get to those keys, they should be successful this season unless you're going up against the Alabama-Auburn and LSU because I think those those three teams are going to be phenomenal this season. But this is where we kind of pass it on to you guys. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Arkansas fans, let us know what you think about your team coming into the 2017 football season. But, Brandon, now it is time to move into the team. I'll be honest. This is the team in this division. I could not wait, could not wait to talk about this team. And uh, do you know why? Do you know why I couldn't wait to talk about this team, Brandon?
0: You know what? I think I do.
1: Would you mind telling the listeners and the viewers why I can't wait to talk about this team, the Texas A&M Aggies? Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin. If you guys, a few weeks ago when— this wonderful man was in uh florida i had the opportunity to talk to you guys solo one-on-one and i kind of talked about and i asked the question will kevin sumlin be fired after 2017 it kind of set things up brandon before i throw the question at you because you were not there to answer said question by the way that's what we're going to start here on the podcast is with that question but i look at Kevin Sumlin, eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, nine and four, 11 and two. Since that first season with Johnny Manziel, it's been a lot of, meh, meh. Nah, we're eight and five. We're four and four in the conference. Like ever since that 2012 year where you went eleven and two, six and two overall, you were tied for second in the West Division. It has been literally eight and fives with 1-9-4, and four, and your conference record has been 4-4s four and fours with 1-3-5. and five. So you went backwards in the conference rank. I'm going to ask you, though, because you did not answer that question, with Texas A&M, to start this preview, does someone get fired after this season? What do you say?
0: We have to look at the season. We have to look at the season well, and see how they looking, do.
1: Look into your crystal ball. I, what do you think is going to happen, man? You know, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't Brands tell you exactly. Like that that is not something I like to do. Is look into my crystal box. I'm usually because we're usually wrong.
0: No, you and you know I hate doing that um, <laughs> because I, I I don't like being able to jump in the gun because mm-hmm. then you tell me
1: you're a dumb idiot. <laughs> eh, well, <laughs> sometimes we are though.
0: Yeah, you can't always lie there. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing is that it's it's if if I were a betting man, I'd say they go eight and five again. Because they've been so good at it for for and the last for, couple for of years, four and four the, the county? Yes, I would say exactly that's what it is. But <laughs> but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if I was a betting man, I'm not. Um, but take a look at what they did last year. Let's mm-hmm. just really quickly run through what they did last year. Okay. They start off. They go six and zero. They start off by going six and zero, and then they meet up with Alabama, and we started to kind of get the. The thinking that this was not going to last after that game against Tennessee, when they were able to slip by double overtime, great game, exciting. I
1: was glad Tennessee lost, though. Let's be honest. Yo, you hated them last year. Well, because they because they should have away. been winning. They should, have. They from should Ricky have. lost Widmer. that Blanchard State.
0: Anywho, they beat UCLA to start mm-hmm. of the season too, with you know overtime. They beat Auburn. They beat at the time number seventeen Arkansas. Kansas. Um, they oh, Kansas. Arkansas, <laughs> Isn't that how they say? It? Uh, but I, I think that. Everyone kind of had these expectations. Everyone, let's Mm -hmm. not lie here. Some people had an expectation, and most of those people lived in Texas that they would come in, play Alabama, possibly beat Alabama, or at least play them really well. Well, what did they do? They got the exact opposite. They lose thirty-three to fourteen, and that is again. How you know? Oh, wonderful! You did did great this season. You went six and O to start the year. You won all these games in the con. Oh, you only had one conference loss. Okay, who is it to? Alabama. Always, it's always to Alabama. That start that needs to start being the thing. How are, how competitively are you playing against Alabama? I know that can't be the only thing that you measure it by, but it is one of the biggest things that you have to measure it mm-hmm. by. How do you compare to them? And personally, defensively, you couldn't stop them. Not that anyone really can, but I think the one of the biggest issues for Texas A and M. And what it has been is they cannot stop mobile quarterbacks. I mean, take a look at what Nick Franklin did to him. They shredded him. 182 yards against him. Two touchdowns. That's a quarterback. <laughs> That's a quarterback. The, at Texas A&M, if Kevin Sumlin wants to be able to keep his job these things that they continue to not do well at need to change so they're doing well at them, or at least better. That's what needs to happen. And I, I, I think that they've got a guy coming in at quarterback, Colin Mond, who has the opportunity and the potential to lead this offense to the next stage For Texas A and M, but the bigger question, and the question that you've posed, is is Kevin Sumlin gonna be the guy to be leading this team with that with that quarterback? And I can I can tell you simply, if he's anything less than eight and five, he's gone. If he's eight and five, you have to. I would have to almost assume that he stays. What would be different about this year? that's been different from the last 2 years, 3 years when he's gone 8 and 5. What what would change? So if he did better than that, mm-hmm. if he went 9 and 4 or 10 or above, he's definitely safe. In my mind, if he goes 8 and 5, he's safe because they seem to be okay with his consistency of 8 and 5. But if he's anything under 8 and 5 or 8 wins, He's gone because then that's a change in the wrong direction. If it's anything that stays stable, Mm -hmm. which to them, that's what that is. I think it's stable, It's stable or anything up. He's safe. That's how I would see it.
1: Well, and the thing that I am looking at is and here is one of my big points then that I'm bringing back now is if you go, even if you go eight and five again, you have to make the decision of are we fine with that? Are we fine? Just. Floating on through, being four and four, eight and five. Ooh, we went to a bowl game, but we're never gonna get to the playoff because we're eight and five, and we're four and four in the division. Ooh, not gonna win the SEC. That's okay. Went to a bowl game. Went to a bowl game, eight and five. And the thing that's funny about this schedule is I'm looking through it. Guess what record overall I think Texas AM gets to at best? Hmm. Tell me. Eight and five. Eight and five. How about in the SEC? What record do you think I have them going at best?
0: Just going out on a limb, saying four and four.
1: Four and four. The four teams I have them losing to, no matter what: Florida, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Talked about the Big Three enough. I don't think Texas A&M has what it takes to beat them. Plus, Florida on the road in the swamp—that's going to be a tough game. I'm going to give it to Florida. Give me the fifth automatic loss that I have. I think UCLA gets the uh, better end of. Texas A&M this year. Not only is it in UCLA, I think Josh Rosen plays better this year for the Bruins. There's your five automatic losses. The rest is all a toss up. Depends on how Nick uh, Nick Fitzgerald comes out. Depends on how Arkansas does. That game is going to be on a neutral site. Depends on how South Carolina comes out and this team has the potential. I said 4 and 4. Just flip Arkansas and Mississippi State. You're looking at a two and six. And then you're looking at a six and seven season. That's kind of the season that we were talking about record-wise for Old Miss last year. So that is more the realistic side that I am going with for Texas AM. However, the big thing that they do have is they've got two big playmakers on the offensive side. One that I believe is going, if he has a good season, he will be one of the higher-end receivers taken in the NFL draft, and that is Christian Kirk. He's the junior yeah. receiver. And then they also have sophomore running back um, Travion Williams as well. So if those playmakers can get going, they might be able to go 8-5 and five again and 4-4 four and four again. But are they going to be able to get over the hump? No, because I don't see them beating Alabama. I don't see them beating... Auburn, LSU, or Florida, and really those are the big four games. LSU are not LSU, UCLA being the other one outside of the conference. I just don't see them winning those big in conference games this season.
0: Well, Ricky, I just I just uh, uh, went went through it, did a little math, did did a little math. I, I see them at seven and five.
1: Okay, so a little bit less than that. A uh, little bit less than the eight and four. Or the eight and five that they're usually with, because that would become with a bowl game too. Yeah. So the eighth win would I, be a bowl I, game. I
0: see them at seven and five. This is and this is how I have it. I have them actually going five and zero oh mm-hmm. to start the season.
1: So you have them beating UCLA. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I, I put it up there because I can't say that I'm sold on UCLA right now.
1: I just think that they've got to do better than they did last season, especially Rosen, who this is gonna be the big draft year for him.
0: This is a big, Mm Rosier, for Rosen. Uh, I have them beating Arkansas. I have them losing to Alabama. I have them losing to Florida. (laughs) I have them losing to Mississippi State. Three straight games losing to Auburn. Four straight games beating New Mexico, beating Ole Miss, and losing to LSU. That's how I have it right now.
1: So you're. I just
0: I just went through it. A rough, a rough, rough. Sketch for anyone who's like, no, not too, kill him. He
1: sucks. Not too far off. I mean,
0: rough sketch.
1: Y- you had them win a non-conference game and lose a conference game. I had them lose a non-conference game and win a conference game. That's the only difference between you and I.
0: But I, I have them. I have them winning uh, against UCLA, and I think a lot of people would probably be like you're crazy because it's mm-hmm. on the road at UCLA and too. That's
1: but what I'm saying,
0: I, I, I again, but it's the reason I, I just mm-hmm. ended up going with the win for them they beat UCLA last year and i know that shouldn't really do anything but they beat USC UCLA last year not completely sold on what UCLA has this year again we haven't gotten to their preview yet but we will in the next couple of weeks and we'll talk about them but right now i'm i'm putting texas uh, a&m in there for the win Slotted them right now for the win but that you know that could change but that's just going through right now right off the cuff of seeing Who who I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting run for them from Alabama to Auburn. Mm Then it's broken up with New Mexico. You better beat them. Um, But Mississippi State will be an improved team. Auburn, they're hoping to be a pretty darn good team. Florida, we'll talk about them soon. Uh, They're good. Defense is always strong, and they have a new quarterback. Well, and then and Alabama bring up is always good, and they're always a force. Mm-hmm. But that's but that one's that one's always interesting because as big of an Alabama fan as I am, no bias. Though. I am <laughs> none. <laughs> uh, I am interested and almost ready. Like, I'm, I'm preparing myself for, for, how a loss. I'm, for how I'm going to handle a regular season loss. I'll probably go nuts. Probably go nuts, have to drink a beer five or seven. <laughs> uh, but it's going to come. That day's going to come mm-hmm. when one of the other teams, and it may not even be under Saban. That's the thing. It may be down the road when he leaves or in the next couple of years, whatever. But someone will beat Alabama. An SCC team will mm-hmm. beat Alabama in the regular season and then that'll just trickle and we won't be able to oh they're going to beat Alabama because they the, or the Alabama's going to win because someone beat them the year before and you look at this and go don't know what to do now one day that will happen but until that happens you almost always have to say no matter if it's LSU if it's Auburn if it's Mississippi State if it's Texas A&M you almost have to say I see Alabama getting that win
1: one of the big things that I see as a negative for the Aggies this season is inexperienced at quarterback. Is it going to be the guy who was the backup last year And Jake Hubernack? Is it going to be Nick Starkle, who was um, the redshirt freshman? Is it going to be Kellen Munn, who's the true freshman, coming out in this class? Either one of those guys I'm not screaming any type of experience from. And the thing I look at, if you look at Kevin's, and I hate that it comes back to the head coach because every other team we've looked at and every other team we are going to look at in this division, it's not going to come down to the head coach. We're not going to look at Alabama and go, well, this player is inexperienced. What does Nick Saban have to do with it? Like, we're not going to look at that, but because of someone, how it's just eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, plus another thing that we didn't even mention, they have not finished higher than fourth in the, um, in the division since, huh? 2012. I wonder who they had then.
0: He must have been good. He
1: was really good until he got to the NFL and had some problems, but I hope he's getting those fixed. But Johnny Manziel. So I look at it. If I'm the AD, especially after the season, if they go eight and five again, I'm looking at it going. So unless you have Johnny Manziel, this is what I'm stuck with. And eventually the goal for Texas A&M should be to break into the top three. And. I think they got to finish higher than eight and five. However, the reason why I say they won't is, number one, I've talked about them enough. We're going to get to them, I believe, after this. We're getting to LSU after this. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them after this preview. Won the big three. They're going to be hard to beat. Then you also have the games, like I said, LSU. Old Miss is on the road, although I think they can win that one. On the road, though, that might be a thing to look about. And then number 3, you have inexperience at that quarterback position which you did not have when you went 11 and 2 in 2012.
0: Well, let me let me kind of throw this out there to you. Okay. Johnny Manziel, you look back to 2012 and I mm-hmm. think looking back there now, you know, being in 2017, 5 years later, you look back at 2012 and go, "Wow. Did did I even realize that Johnny Manziel was really good until he was already doing stuff and really good. Then we finally figured out, wow, of that Johnny Manziel is pretty good, didn't know about this guy, but he's good. Texas A&M didn't know there was another team in mm-hmm. the uh, you know SEC that was good. That's a lie. There were. But the point is, all Texas A&M, Texas A&M or any of these teams need mm-hmm. – they just need the next big guy, who we don't expect to be the. Hold on, to ne- expect to be the next big guy to be that guy. You know, maybe it's Nick Starkle. maybe it's not. Maybe it's Kellen Mond, maybe it's not. But that's all they need, because you can go after these really good superstar five star recruits and get them. And you know, not everyone you get is a Deshaun Watson. Not everyone you get is a Johnny Manziel, talking college, of course. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen like that. But then at the same time, some of these guys who you get, the four star recruit, you think, oh, they're going to be pretty good. They'll be a solid uh, quarterback for us. They'll certainly be able to get us, you know, eight wins. Boom, 10 wins. 10 wins. 10 wins. And you're like, don't leave. Because they're that good. All they need is one of those guys to do that. And you could turn around a program with that. That's how you do it. Sometimes you're not even knowing that that's going to happen. And it falls into your lap. Not because you didn't think they were going to be good. But you didn't know that they were going to be this good. Mm -hmm. You have scouts to make sure that you're getting the talent that you're supposed to be getting. But it's those guys who are working hard, putting in the hours to be that next level talent. And one of these guys could be it. I'm not saying they will be. I'm not saying they won't be. That's just all you need, is that some guy to come on and be take hold of this uh, of this program, say, it's mine. It's mine. We're going to be good. We're not going to be eight-win good. We're going to be nine-win good. We're going to be ten-win good. We're going to the playoffs. That's what they need one of these guys to do.
1: Well, I don't mean to uh, take a sledgehammer, kind of Looney Tunes style, to uh, your thought there, but... I will look right into the camera and I I will say this. None of these three quarterbacks are going to be A, as good as Johnny Manziel was. B, none of them are even going to come close to a Heisman. And three, none of these three are going to come close to a 10-win season this year. I will look right in the camera and say that to you guys. And also with Johnny Manziel, you look at it. Now look at me. What are you going to say to me? Well, he was there <laughs> and you might be saying, well, Ricky, Johnny Manziel wasn't just there in 2012. He was also there in... 2013. Huh. Interesting. The only time, are the only other time besides 2012, that Kevin Sumlin had more than eight wins. Holy shit, what's going on? But another thing that I look into that 2013 season is there were two things that made it that step down. Number one, teams figured them out. Alabama lost to Johnny Manzone in 2012. 2013 came back and beat him. That was the game A.J. McCarron went 4-0. and touchdown to INT were Johnny Manziel 5 and 2 but 21 of their points came in the fourth quarter. Alabama was already up like 49 to what was it 29 my our 21 minus 42 is 21 so it was 49 to 22 and they ended up losing 49 to 42 because Johnny Manziel didn't have enough time in the fourth to do it. Auburn also got revenge on them that next year. So A team started to figure out Johnny Manziel a little bit. But also Johnny Manziel, you could kind of see the beginnings of the fame and fortune that was coming in the NFL kind of already getting to the young kid's head where it was all about the, it was all about this. It was all about the show me the money Manziel sign. I think that these quarterbacks are inexperienced. It's not against them. It's looking at Kevin Sumlin. I just look at what they got to go against in the SEC The quarterbacks, they're looking behind the eight ball. Like This is not a team, quarterback-wise, that I look at and go, man, Texas A&M is really going to beat Alabama this year. No, I'm not looking at that like people thought in 2013 after Johnny Manziel beat them the year before. That's the only reason why we thought that was because we're like, shit, Johnny Manziel did it before. He might as well do it again. The ending point that I think here is, is that Kevin Sumlin needs more than eight wins. If he doesn't have more than eight wins, he's out, because consistently mediocre is not going to be enough, and Texas A&M needs somebody that is going to help them get over the bump. I'm not saying win the SEC. I'm not saying to um, dethrone Alabama. I'm just saying to get into the top three. They need someone who is going to get them over the hump? But before we move on into the big three, starting with LSU, any final points on Texas AM that you think we did not touch that we have to touch before we throw it on to the listeners and the viewers?
0: I think that the point, the final point that I want to make, and again, kind of hammer it home, is that, you know, one of these guys, no one's going to be. Johnny Manziel you only have mm-hmm. one You, I mean let's be honest you only have One of every good quarterback that went through School anywhere you only have one Deshaun Watson you only have one Johnny Manziel You only have one uh, You know uh, of those One those really, Marcus
1: Mariota one Jameis Winston Let's
0: say that I mean you could say it about anybody But and that was good You don't need to be them that's the that's the thing that's and that's and that's the point. But you just need to have the mindset. You have, need to have the winner mentality and the winner mindset that comes in and says, you know what? Screw it. I don't care that people think that you know we're so, a mediocre team. I don't care that people think oh, you know Kevin someone's really struggled with you know multiple good quarterbacks. And as his time as a head coach, he kind of has. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think that they need to just have the mentality of let's go get it. Let me work as hard as I can to be the very best that I can be to be even better than what they recruited me as and take hold of this offense, make it mine and be a true leader. I think that that's all part of it. I think that that's all part of it. It's, it's being able to take on the leadership role, the leadership mentality, and already having those skills is going to help you be a successful not just quarterback, but player, teammate, all these things, and it gets these guys to rally around you and gets these guys to play even harder. For Kevin Sumlin, maybe, but for you, yeah.
1: Well, and before I throw it on there, just a little thing that I thought of from what you were saying is, yes, you only get everything once, but I didn't even think about it. You popped into my head how many times someone, hey, I'm going to be able to work with this good quarterback and it just hasn't been able. Maybe a change of scenery would be good for not just Texas A&M, but for Kevin Sumlin as well. Whether that's in the NFL or it's in the college game, but this is where we, I want to throw it on up. Oh, I just ahead. wanted
0: to say, go ahead. I cannot remember who it is, so I apologize if you're you know watching again. Mm-hmm. We had a commenter comment and say that, that there would be a, a new head coach coaching North Carolina, and there would be a new head coach coaching Texas A&M. Next season,
1: yeah, and it was Les Miles will be the coach of the um not Texas A M the first of one U N C of U N C and then it was Trent Paler. Trent Paler said that Chip actually Chip Kelly not Les Miles Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly will be the head coach of North Carolina Larry Fedora who's right now with the Tar Heels will be with the Aggies next year that's what he said on our U N C preview but this is where you guys come in let us know down below what you guys. think think about texas AM. and really the big thing is kevin sumlin does he get fired at the end of this year let us know down below in the comment section but brandon it is now time to go to who we're going to the big three baby the big three in the sc SEC west i almost said sc west <laughs> which would have been totally wrong i'm taking the <laughs> eastern right out of it's, uh, the southeastern so conference it at sports yeah, it's sports center west sports center west but we are moving on to the SEC West Big Three, and we're going to start with the LSU Tigers. And with this one, I want to start with the defense again, kind of like we did for Arkansas, starting defense, because two big things, two big guys coming back for this Tigres team this year. The first one, Christian LaCourtour, coming back for a fifth season after missing the entire 2016 campaign with a knee injury. He's going to be moved in LSU's 3-4 defense now from tackle, to end, also at the at like the preview that I'm looking at right now has it as a bad news, but it is no longer bad news because I've talked about this guy and he is now coming back to LSU, and that's Arden Key, who was the sack leader for this team last year, the kind of defensive end, outside linebacker hybrid for this team, both Lacouture and Key coming back, plus they've got the rebuilding of the linebacking core in general, Brandon, could this LSU defense, carry? I don't want to say carry them, but could they be the thing to help ease pressure on the offense, which is also having a big gloss in Leonard Fournette?
0: Well, Ricky, I first want to start off by looking at some of the things that this defense did really effectively well mm-hmm. last year. That was holding Louisville. Lamar Jackson's
1: team. Well, well. Let, let's put some respect on it. To game. Lamar Action Jackson. To nine it, points
0: in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl.
1: The B-Dub Bowl.
0: They lost to Alabama because mm-hmm. they didn't score. They held <laughs> Alabama to 10 points. And they averaged only allowing 16 points per game on the season. That's stupid impressive. That's the type of defense that you need in an SEC where points are starting to be able to fly different places because you have some really, really high-powered offenses. But it hurts when you lose six tacklers, one of which being Jamal Adams, and others will hurt, but you take a look at this LSU team, what it has been for a long time. What it has been for a long time has been a pretty defensively savvy team. I think ultimately, you're right, I think Arden Key is going to be the key to success on defense. They had 36 sacks last year. He had 12 of them. Mm -hmm. This guy is going to have to step in and he's going to have to be the focal point of this defensive front. And I think if he's able to come back and come back healthy from injury, he'll be Okay, but we want him to be healthy. We need him to be healthy. Uh, If you're talking LSU and you're talking LSU fans, you need him to be healthy because he's going to be your anchor. He is going to be the guy that this defense runs through. He's going to have help. But this is the guy that's going to be, I think, that new face for the LSU defense.
1: No, and I mean, I I look at them and I look at Key and I look at La and I think they're going to be the anchors. For this team, and the kind of funny thing about it, it looks like that Lacator is going to be like on the right side, and then on the other side from the um, Buck linebacker position, you're just going to have Key coming around that outside, either while it's on the line, off the line. Watching this kid's film, like he is just something special, and if he has a good season, there's a possibility within this season we're going to be talking about Arden Key and the NFL draft a lot this upcoming year, but I think what's interesting is you said that in a in a conference where, even in college football as a whole, where points are becoming scored at a premium. I mean, look at the Big 12, air raid offenses. You're looking, most of the scores, we were talking about defenses not being being able to hold teams scoring 48, 50 points against them in games. I look at the offense, and they have three big losses to me. Brandon Harris is now with the Tar Heels. We talked about them. Just went up today as we're recording this. You have Leonard Fournette. He is now in the NFL. And then you also have your leading receiver from last year, and Malachi Dupree is no longer there. So to me, I look at it. Danny Etling, and I know you were shaking your head when I said Brandon Harris, and the reason why I agree with that is that's the lowest of the losses for them because – Danny Etling played last year. It's not like, oh, we lose Brandon Harris, who was our main starter and played every game. You're fine with Danny Etling at your quarterback position. It's the other two. More so Dupree, I would say, than Fournette. Because with Leonard Fournette, you still have Geis there to be the guy. And he showed under Fournette when Fournette was out that, hey, I have the same kind of firepower that Leonard Fournette has, and I can throw up some big games as well. So the running back quarterback position I don't think is the huge worry. It's wide receiver, and it's to me one of the questions is DJ Clark, who only had 26 receptions last year and only three touchdowns. I know that tied Dupree, but Dupree almost doubled him in receptions and had a little bit more yards. Can Clark— And Davis, Drake Davis, can they be the one to the senior sophomore on the outside for this team at Z and X to give Danny Etling targets to throw to consistently and get those points up? Because if they are relying just on the running back position, they're going to have to win games 19 to 16, 21 to 19 and rely on their defense to stop teams from scoring.
0: Uh, You you're completely right and, and just to kind of
1: uh, That's something get, I don't hear often you're completely, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go in the comment section right now and tell Ricky that he is completely right because he really is and I'm gonna tell you Why <laughs> I'm gonna give you a couple of stats from last year. Mm-hmm. They they being LSU finished 21st in the nation in running the football They're really good and they had a play against Alabama who was number one in the nation in uh, stopping the run. Wisconsin, number three. Louisville, 12th. Auburn, 27th. All those rankings for stopping the run. Now, they still were 21st in the nation. I mean, you go up against those guys, you obviously did pretty well. Mm -hmm. Or at least outside of them, you did really, really well. The Tigers lost three of those four games that they played. The one that they won was against Louisville. And that just goes to your point that they need to be able to have a very good passing game. Because if all you can do is run the football, and yes, Darius Geis is going to be incredible if he's anything like what he was last year. I mean, for some of those games, you're almost like, What, you mean that's not Leonard Fournette? He not playing in the game? No, he's not playing the game. And anyone who would say, though, that oh, I'd r- I'd rather have Geis over Fournette, someone would punch you in the face in I LSU. I'd rather have both of them. Someone would punch you in your face in, down in, in, in Louisiana. You, you
1: just say it, and it's just... Fists to the face That's because Leonard happened.
0: Fournette did a lot for that. Mm-hmm. I almost said for that franchise, for that program. <laughs> but these teams become franchises. They, mm-hmm. in my mind, they really do.
1: Um, Especially if you're Alabama, <laughs> it's a staple. Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I, I am with you. Etling is. It's good that Etlin's going to be there, and it's good that he was that he had time last season. Because he he's going to have to be a guy who's going to have to... Things are going to fall on his shoulders. Things are going to fall on his shoulders, and, and you may be saying, well, Brandon, aren't they going to fall on Geis' shoulders because he's a running back, he's, and you're going to be running the football? You've got to throw the football. You have got to throw the football. You have got to be able to stretch the field, because eventually these teams know all you're going to do is run. And, and they're just going to load the box. And I think that's one of the... But that's one of the problems, I think, too, with Brandon Harris, and, as, mm-hmm. and, and why... I look at him and, and I think you thought the same thing is that he was the lesser of all of those guys that you mm-hmm. lose is because Harris didn't do a whole lot because they relied so much on the running game. And and now that you have lost the receivers that you did lose and you have to gain like all new guys, essentially, that's going to be something that is essentially going to be difficult and having Etling there, having a familiar face there and a guy who's got a little bit um of some experience behind him, that's going to be something that's very, very helpful um for for this LSU team, but they are going and you don't have to say that they're going to become this new passing team that throws the ball down the field every time. That's just not them, and they will lose if they do that. But They've got to be able to have a healthy balance. They've got to be able to have a healthier balance. It's something that's going to be absolutely key. And you take a look at their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. What did that guy do? What did that guy do last year with Pitt? Mm -hmm. They beat Clemson. They beat Penn State. They're not going to be. And they can't be the same LSU offense that they were. That's, I think, one of the biggest pieces this year. It's not a player. It's their new offensive coordinator who knows how to be able to stretch the field a little bit. And I think that we're going to see this LSU team certainly have a little bit more of a balance than what we've seen in the past where it's been run first, run heavy, and run often. And now you can still run, but you've got to be passing the football as well if you want to be able to give yourself a chance to win.
1: And I even think about... In the—I'm trying to think of what draft it was exactly, but one of the big—and I know he was injured a little bit in college and then in the pros, towards the end of college and then beginning of the pros, but even look at when you had Odell Beckham Jr. out there. Like, that was something where it was like, okay, wow, this is a passing attack that can win and can really help your team. And LSU, I just don't see— That same, of course, none of these players in my mind are Odell Beckham Jr. like, but I kind of look at this and I go, this is a team that the only two teams that they have to worry about are the two in front of them from last season. They only have to worry about Auburn and Alabama. Those are the only two that I look at because the last quarterback that – I want to say LSU had, that was like, wow, that's a really good quarterback, was when they went 10-3 and three in 2013. Do you – little quiz, Brandon. Do you remember who was the quarterback of LSU in 2013? If you don't, I'll give you a hint. He played for the Titans. That was the team he was drafted by, the Titans. Um, I mm-hmm. love this food. It's one of my favorite foods. Um. Uh,
0: Why can't I think of it? His first name was Zach. Uh, Mettenberger. Mettenberger.
1: That was the last quarterback that they had that was like, wow, look at him. But, I mean, look, at they also had guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill. They had guys. And, I mean, with the Jeremy Hill and running back, you've got that in guys. But, I mean, look at their top two receivers that year. Jarvis Landry, who's an NFL pro, and Odell Beckham Jr., both those guys were 1,000-yard receivers. Jeremy Hill was almost a 1,500-yard rusher that year and had 16 touchdowns on the ground. And Zach Mettenberger had over 3,000 yards. Like, that was the last year to me where it was like, damn, LSU is on the map. And like I said, they could do the same thing this year. Atling is nowhere near uh, what Zach Mettenberg was that year. But they're gonna. I feel like they're going to have to lean on Geist. They're going to have to. They're not going to want to. They're going to have to. And I look at their schedule for this year, and the good thing about it, they don't see any of the two teams above them until October 14th. That's when they play Auburn, and that one's at home. The only bad thing is, yes, you get to wait until November 4th to play Alabama, but it's on the road. So I look at those two games. Those are going to be the measuring sticks for them because Florida is going to be iffy only because it's on the road, but I'm confident that they can beat a Florida team. Uh,
0: One thing that I I think we really need to bring up here that we have not yet brought up and Uh we have focused mainly on the guy who we think is going to be leading this offense. That's Etling? At at quarterback, and and Danny Etling. And and Etling, you know, he's had his time at at Purdue, um, but... I think the guy that we really need to be focusing on a little bit more is freshman coming in Miles Brennan mm-hmm. and this this guy coveted freshman quarterback who gets to campus in June who is trying to learn everything to get you know to September and October and when games are starting I don't see this this guy being the starter in day one but I could see him being the starter in the middle of the season because he's too talented to not be that starter. And I I think right now it's just a matter of being able to get on the same page with Geis, with your receivers. But the reason why I think we didn't weren't talking about him as much is because when you're having... All these new receivers and to have a new quarterback, mm-hmm. freshman quarterback. That's not exactly what they want to be going with. Yeah, So you don't they want to be him going. Into the fire. No, you don't want to do that. You want to be going with At Lane at least to start, um, because I don't even know if Brendan's going to be able to know everything by that time. You, Could he have a good grasp of it? Yes, he can. To know it's yes, funny? he would. But I'm I just don't think he'll be ready day one.
1: You know what's funny about that? I look at the schedule and you have one, two, three, four, five games until Florida. Florida is the sixth game on their schedule. In my mind, I'm not going to call that it would happen because in my mind I'm hoping that maybe Etling can be the senior to go through the entire season, and then you give Brennan the job. Well, you give him the opportunity to win the job next year, but part of me feels like I could see, because of how the schedule looks, at Florida October uh, 7th, And then at home against Auburn on the 14th, I could totally see Ed Orgeron, if they lose at Florida and Etling just looks bad, I could see them going, you know what, it's a home game, I know it's Auburn. He's got to be ready. I mean, duh. But if he's ready, I could see them going, you know, let's see what the kids got. And that's where I could see, that's like a situation I could see playing out in my head. If they lose against Florida, Etling does not look good at all. And they go, you know what? It's Auburn, but it's at home. It's going to be more of a familiar setting playing at home than on the road. Your routine is more of the same when you're at home. I I, I love the cliche of yeah, you know the routine's the same. You get to sleep in your own bed. Right? And we stayed in a, we stayed in. A, I almost said hospital. We stayed in a hotel <laughs> for over a week, and that bed was mighty comfy at uh, at our hotel that we were at. So, I mean, to me, I I just love that cliche. You get to sleep in your own bed and kind of go through the... Athletes are going to tell me it matters, but I just always find that funny. (laughs) But because that game's at home, I could see that situation maybe playing out if the dominoes fall in the right directions.
0: I think that what a lot of people... Excuse me as I... itch your eye? It scratched my eye. It's a bad itch. It is, but I I needed to have it out of my (laughs) eye so I could make this point effectively. Is that I think what a lot of people in in LSU are calling for is just a new. I think they're using the term era at LSU, mm-hmm. and I think at this point they're like, put in the new guy. Who cares? Let's just go for it. Let's just see what happens because you know they got Eddie Orgeron over there.
1: I love your Ed Orgeron impression.
0: Give me some donuts.
1: Hey, Lane.
0: (laughs) But I I, I think that Ed Orgeron is super respected by his players. Mm -hmm. He's a great coach. He's a guy who really gets it. He's an LSU guy, and there is absolutely no one who would tell you otherwise on that one. I think that they're going to trust what he says to do. And he's still in the position where this is going to be his first position as being the true guy for the full season mm-hmm. uh, as, as as an LSU head coach. and Because he only got part of the season last yeah. year. And I think that for him for this year, that is going to be such a huge thing for him to make a decision. And I think a lot of people want to see the new guy right away. I think they want to see Brennan in game one against BYU. But the safer play probably is to see Etlane and put Etling out there mm-hmm. because he is going to, you know, have a little bit more uh, of a grasp of things because he's been there for a while and he played in it last year and all this stuff. And I think people almost want that out the window, Ricky. I think they're like, I don't care we need to get back to where we once were and they think that Brennan will help fast track that a guy with a better arm than atlanne a guy who's just gonna be overall better mm-hmm. tool wise than what etlan's able to bring to the table and Ellie's been doing it for a while and Brennan's just getting started so I don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing to do you like you said you actually, I think you absolutely don't like that because it's a Oh, grow together, yes, blah blah blah. We're not gonna be all that great in the process, but grow together. But it doesn't growing together doesn't always necessarily mean that you're gonna be bad. It just means that we lose you all at the same time
1: then. LSU has one thing I think they have to worry about and this is what I'm gonna say on the Etling um, Brennan thing before I kick it on to what everyone else thinks is whoever's gonna win the game. Whoever is going to win the game, that's who I'm going to play. Because they're in a situation where I know we talked about before, and I gave, I want to say it was, um, we started the podcast with Old Miss, and I was like, well, it's a lost season because, yeah, we're getting better together, but I want to be able to do something. LSU's in a position where they could challenge, they can beat Alabama. They have the defense to do so, they have the defense to go with Auburn. The offense just needs to come up. So whichever quarterback gives you the best chance to win, that's the one I think you go with. But the thing I find funny, and this is the point I will end on, Ed Orgeron, in his last two coaching stints that, because like you said, this is the first time since 2007, I believe, that he is going to have a full season as a head coach. Both of his interim takeovers, he went 6-2. and two. Went 6-2 and two with... uh USC in 2013 And on 6-2 last year With the LSU Tigers So there's your Ed Orgeron fact For the day But this is where you guys come in Let us know Brandon's got something else Sorry guys He's got something else to say uh, He didn't even look at me Like uh, I didn't. Brandon I don't care I, You have to say I I We're not ar- through this I already said I was kicking out to them What do you got to say
0: So I just think that LSU They still have a lot to prove To be able to Battle with The force to be reckoned with And we all know who that is Roll tag. They, they, I think, still have a lot to prove to get to that. In a winning season, I th- however, I think a winning season for LSU is is 10 wins. That's a winning season for LSU. Nine wins, 10 wins. That's who they want to be. And I know nine wins would be one more than what they were last year, but 10 wins would certainly be a winning season and something that LSU fans would be like, yep, we like it.
1: Well, and now I'm going to kick it on to you guys. Let us know down below what you guys think about LSU coming into the 2017 season and where do you guys see them this year, especially that quarterback situation. Do you think Danny Etling will be the guy to play out the entire season? And, Brandon, now it is time to move on to our next one, and we are going to war eagles. We're going to talk about the Auburn Tigers here on the podcast, as we're now down to two teams, I had to. Well done. I had to. I had to. I had to war eagle for our Auburn fans coming on into the podcast. But this one's easy. This one's an easy starting point. It's a quarterback. It's Jared Stidham. And really, the easiest question is how much better is Jared Stidham going to make the Auburn Tigers in twenty seventeen?
0: Uh, well, I think the biggest key for this team is how well Stidham performs. But I think even bigger than that is is can he stay healthy? You know, we, we saw him play really well at Baylor. Mm-hmm. But another thing we couldn't see him do at Baylor was stay healthy. <laughs> On the field. And I think that ultimately that's that's the biggest issue for, for Auburn is they've got themselves a really good quarterback. They've got themselves a stable quarterback, a guy who knows how to throw the football and was asked to do it a whole lot in the Big 12 over at Baylor. But his health is a huge concern. And I only say huge concern is because the minute that he were to go down, I think the the really high expectations for Auburn would all of a sudden disappear mm-hmm. because I think a lot of them are riding on Stidham, and I and I do think that. And he looks really
1: good in spring practices,
0: and and that's the reason why mm-hmm. is because this guy is super good. They know what they got with him. They know that he's really good, and he is. And Auburn with a full season of a healthy Jared Stidham could be that team that is ready to rival every other team in the SEC West and is ready to head go head for you know head on and you know tit for tat with the big gun If Stidham can't stay healthy, though, that just goes out the window in my mind. But let's not forget, too, that their new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey from Arizona State, is coming in. Uh And they're going to be asked to throw the football more. And that's why getting Stidham was a huge piece for them. But let's also not forget that he's no longer at Baylor. And he's not going to be whipping the ball all around the field because they're going to be looking for a more balanced attack.
1: Well, and Stidham was actually asked about that. And um, I'm getting this quote from Athlon Sports where Stidham says, and I quote, some of the similarities that Coach Lindsey has with what I've done at Baylor, some of the deeper passing game, it's a lot of fun. A lot of it I've done before, kind of a second nature with some of it. He brings a lot of excitement to the offensive room, end quote. And it really, like you said, it all rides on Stidham. If Stidham goes down, the season to me is a little bit, I don't want to say over, but close to over. Because, yes, you can be like, well, we've got a starter behind him and Sean White, who started last year. But Sean White's also had injuries, too. He has, what, four injuries in the last two seasons, including his broken arm in the Sugar Bowl. Um, So that alone makes it impossible. Like, it makes it weird that he's going to have a full season. So Stidham's the guy. And because of what we saw in spring practices, I think that all the hype this year for Auburn should be that Iron Bowl game. I know that the players are going to go out there and take it one game at a time or whatever cliche they're going to throw our way. But to us, who we can focus on things, I look at their schedule, and besides Clemson on the road and LSU on the road, maybe Georgia, but that's at home. I really look at it and I go, I can't, I want to fast forward to November 25th and watch Alabama and Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Because I think that is going to be A, the best game of the season, and B, that will be the game that not only decides the SEC West, but decides the playoff. Whoever wins that game makes the playoff.
0: Only if Stidham's there. Well, that's only I, if Stidham's as quarterback. I think he will
1: be the quarterback all the way through. I don't think he's going to get injured.
0: And I think a big part of that's going to be their offensive mm-hmm. line too. They only lose two guys. They return a couple of stars on the offensive line, which is going to be a, a huge help for the entire team and certainly uh, for for Stidham and and, and for their for the running back and Cameron Petway. We can't remember. We can't. Excuse me. We cannot forget. Cameron Pettway Jr., SEC
1: leading Russia. and we
0: cannot forget his over 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. and we cannot forget that he missed three games. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, this guy was well on his way to being the best running back in the SEC, if not beyond the Jeez, SEC. You, you
1: think of how, how high Leonard Fournette got drafted. Just wait until he comes out. If he can do the same thing, even a little bit better. And, I mean, even behind him in on Johnson, 182 carries, 890 yards for himself. And he had more touchdowns than Petway. He had 11 to Petway 7. Huh, 7-11. I think, I think, think. About, think about that. But I, th- I think the offense should be in good hands. The, the offense is going to drive this team. And like you said, Brandon, in... The I want to say it was the LSU portion that we just talked about, and we're getting to that, where it's like the teams that can score offensively, and we're not just relying solely on our defenses, kind of like what we looked at with LSU, but this is a team where I look at it where they are going to challenge Alabama for the number one spot in the division, I know there's the question mark of if Stidham can stay healthy, but like I said, I'm assuming in my head, yeah, he making is. the prediction that he is.
0: Absolutely. I, I think to not look at defense though, with Auburn would be a crime if we did not do mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the biggest losing some pieces, uh, Carl Lawson, NFL, uh, Montavious Adams. He he's, he's no longer there. Uh, those are, you know, those are two of the guys mm-hmm. and, uh, However, um 6 of the 7 6 of their 7 tacklers will be returning this year. Um up, up front is going to be a, a key for them and will they be able to get to the quarterback? So last year they ranked 7th in scoring defense seventh of the nation scoring defense so that's a really big thing for auburn and if they're able to return that return to that form mm-hmm. it's gonna be pretty good you know that means you're putting pressure on the quarterback that means you're you're getting to the quarterback that means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing defensively however the run defense is going to have to continue to be good um and if it's it if it's good as it it can be they will be very, very successful. And, and, and here's another stat for you. Since 2015, Auburn is one in seven when the defense gives up more than 200 yards on the ground. One in seven. So, so contain that running game. Contain the running game and contain the running quarterbacks mm-hmm. and all of that. Because if you don't, numbers show you suck.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the thing that I find interesting is I'm looking, like I said, at the um, one preview from Athlon Sports, and kind of like what I was getting to um, with my kind of pseudo-prediction was that I do believe the Iron Bowl is going to settle things. I think that Auburn and then the team we're going to talk about next in Roll Tide are the best. will be the best two teams in this not only conference but in this side of the conference. And you look at last year. Last year they were a team that— well into the playoff talk, into November. Then the injuries took a toll. But now this year you add Stidham. If he's able to stay healthy, I think they could be even more so a playoff talk presence. they got to prove it to make it. But they could well be into the conversation into November, up to that twenty uh, November 25th game against Alabama. But the thing I find interesting, and I want to read this and then get your thoughts on it, it says... If they're not, if they're not able to, like, Lindsey coming in and then Stidham, propel them into the conversation this year, if they're not, ADJ Jacobs will have some tough decisions to make after the season. The Tigers team is too loaded to be an afterthought on the national level. Is that them basically saying, well, if they don't, Gus Malzahn could be fired? Because that's how I see that. I see that as if the '80s looking to make a change, it's cutting off the head of the team, which is the head coach.
0: And that's the first time that we've brought up Gus Malzahn's mm-hmm. name. And 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 we cannot forget that you know Chip Lindsey is the new offensive coordinator. He's not the new coach. Gus Malzahn is. It's it's still his team. It's still the, his offense. A mad hatter. It's still you know his his baby. But I think that you bring in a new offensive coordinator to try and even things out, um, pass, run pass, and, and and make yourselves a little bit more elite um, offensively. I think that's a great move. Mm-hmm. I, I think being able to land Jared Stidham, great move. Good quarterback, can throw the football, strong arm, reads the field well, loves throwing the ball deep. Great move. However... Like you just mentioned it's a
1: Kevin Sumlin situation
0: if you don't but it's not, but it's don't don't tell me it's Kevin Sumlin' situation because they didn't go out specifically land this big quarterback name who who is some solid stud, they didn't go out and try and retool their entire no, offense
1: but hear this, this is what I'm saying this is how it's the Kevin Sumlin situation to me. It's not an exact fit. But you look at it. Gus Malzahn comes in 2013. They go to the national championship game. They lose that to Jameis Winston. Ever since then, it's been eight and five, four and four, seven and six, two and six, eight and five, five and three. Last year, last year was the best since that national championship season. If they don't make that push. To be like, oh man, we were one loss away and we only had one loss on the year, and that was the Alabama. If they're not making that push for the playoff, I look at the wins and losses and I'm like, it's kind of similar in that sense of you had a really good season your first year. What's been going on since? That's what I would be looking at if I'm the AD, if this year isn't that we pushed and man, if we would have won that one game, we would have been in.
0: Well, I, I think that if it does not go the way that they're hoping that it goes, you do sit back at the end of the season and you look at it and you go, All right, we we went out, we got a new offensive coordinator to to better this offense, to make it better, to make it more competitive. Okay. We made sure that we got Jared Stidham and you know really encouraged him to be part of the Auburn Tigers. Mm-hmm. He came over. Okay. Gus. We got these things for you. We got you some new toys to play with and it didn't it didn't go over how we pictured. And after having the last couple of seasons the way that they've been, that really is an easy way to put him on the hot seat and then to get rid of him. Because it's not like a Kevin Sumlin. They're just get using the guys that they have in their system and kind of going with it that way. You've gone out of your way to try and land the transfer. You did it. You've gone out of your way to steal a guy away from another team. Lindsey from Arizona mm-hmm. State. You've done that. You've made these changes. The head coach is, has got to be part of the the talks to do this, who wants this. And if it does not work, who do you think they're going to blame? Obviously, you're right. It's going to be Gus Malzahn. And his, his bottom is going to be a little hotter than usual. But, but... I don't think that that's going to end up happening because I do think that they're going to be good.
1: Question. And this is one where I'm on the same boat as you. Like I said, I think it's going to come down to the Iron Bowl game. And
0: I have a question really quickly. Go ahead. Do you think both Alabama and Auburn going into that game
1: are both undefeated? Alabama, yes. Auburn, I'm going to (sighs) say... See, it's tough on Auburn because the only game... like. There's two games I look at. Clemson, well, three. Clemson, LSU, and Georgia. It's hard to say say that they go undefeated. I mean, I want to say they'll beat Clemson. I know that in our Clemson preview, we got a lot of comments about people saying, yeah, you're harping too much on the quarterback. We're going to be fine. We got the defense. We got the pieces around him. I don't know though if Auburn's clicking early, that could be a win for them. I'm gonna go with Auburn might have one loss going into that game, but even with one loss, it will still I mm-hmm. still believe that that Iron Ball mm-hmm. is going to be winner goes to the SEC title game to play either Georgia or Florida. And if you win, you're going to the playoff. The thing that I think would be more interesting is if we get a close enough game in that one to where we get a situation where, let's say, Alabama comes in undefeated, Auburn comes in with one loss. Auburn barely beats them. Auburn wins the SEC, and then either one of two things happen. Them and Alabama get in. Or if we see a Big Ten situation of, yeah, you know what, Auburn, you were good, but you lost to this team earlier on, and Alabama only lost to you, so we're going to put Alabama in over you. Like, I have a weird feeling that Auburn could end up being the Penn State of this year. They could be the Penn State of this year and miss the playoffs.
0: You're right. They could. and I know that some people are probably saying, "Well, you know, you guys, you're you're really kind of going out of the box on this one." You know, they sometimes you got to. It's boring in the box. It, it's so
1: boring. In the I box. don't like being in the box.
0: But I think you're right. It, it could be a boat, and it, but it's not. I don't want anyone to tell us that it's mm-hmm. too far fetched to look at Auburn and say, "Now they wouldn't do that." No, no, no. It, it it would be silly if you didn't look at Auburn. And look at what they're adding, and look at what they're going to be able to do. And I think you would be very silly to not look at them and go, they could be very good. I think
1: they they're going to be very be good. good. They could be this.
0: They, they could be here. This could be a possibility. All based on health. Mm-hmm. All based on health. But I, I think that when you have a running back, like Petway Jr. is, when you have a quarterback <laughs> like Stidham is, you are set up for success mm-hmm. right away.
1: And that's why I got one last question I'm going to ask you. This is on the flip side. Let's say, and this is back to that situation where you were talking about AD conversation with Gus Melzon to force him out. Let's say they do do less than stellar. Let's say... Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and Alabama all find answers for the Auburn Tigers. I'm going to ask you this to end it, and do you think that maybe a thought at the end, if Gus Malzahn is pushed out, and that's the only way this is happening is if he gets pushed out, does Auburn go, you know what, I know that he was an offensive coordinator and wasn't the head coach, before coming here but we have Stidham was only a sophomore this year we're pairing him with the coach do they promote then Lindsay or look for an outside option promote from within with Lindsay to work him and attach him to Stidham which would be a junior next year or say you know what we're going to keep Lindsay here and we're going to look outside the organization to find our answer
0: you know, I I think a lot of times, especially if they liked the relationship between Lindsay and Stidham, and even more if if Stidham really enjoyed that relationship, I I think that you could see something like that happening mm-hmm. uh, to be more likely. Um, but in the back of my mind, uh, for now, it's uh, Last Miles is still there. Last
1: Miles is Jeez, still there. Do you imagine if he came to if they got rid of I mentioned Mad Hatter. Before we recorded this, the real Mad Hatter has lost miles. Could you, jeez, could not, could not, I could not imagine. I would love it, but I couldn't imagine it.
0: No, it, it's it is kind of hard to imagine. It had to be what we've seen already is it had mm-hmm. to be the right fit because we've seen uh, a lot we saw a lot of college football positions, head coaching positions, come open and available, really good ones this past off season, mm-hmm. and he was not in one of them. So I think it's got to be the right fit for both sides. But just knowing he's out there is interesting. But I'd rather focus on Gus Malzahn having a good season instead of Gus Malzahn being fired at the end of the year. Like I
1: said, I don't see him getting fired because I see it coming down to that Iron Bowl game and uh, winner-take-all going to the playoffs. But any last thoughts before I throw it on to them, the listener and the viewer? No, on this one I don't. Good, good. Brandon's not going (laughs) to cut me off. So I can throw it to you guys. Let us know down below. In the comment section, what do you guys what do you guys think for a good old War Eagle and how they are gonna do this year? I had to do it in our time. I had to do it a second time. It's so fun. It's so fun to do that I just wanted to do it again. Is it fun? It's quite fun. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Brandon, now we are gonna move on into the last team we gotta talk about, the road tide, Alabama Crimson Tide. And I want to start the podcast off with something we were kind of joking about before we hit the record button, of this team, like, really, it's like, where do you start? Hertz returns, yeah, they got a guy behind them, but really, when we talked about their quarterback controversy, we just did it for some clicks, I'll be honest, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, they return a ton of players, and the main thing that's like, wow, what did you lose, you lost Lane Kiffin, and you lost Sark. But it's like, what, what were we joking around?
0: Wait, this, was, this was the line. No Kiffin, no
1: problem. No Sark. No Sark, And eh, whatever. whatever. <laughs> that, that's what it is. And it's like, they bring in Brian Dabble, but even when it's like, I look at it and I ask you, hey, who's their offensive coordinator? And you're like, oh, Brian Dabble. I went, huh? And you said, oh, he's from the Patriots. I went, ah, there it is. That's why they brought him in. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine even without Pippen <laughs> and without Sark. Am I wrong? No, no. It's it's kind of like, kind
0: of it kind of is like uh, Steve Kerr coaching the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You Steve Kerr, take the year off, off buddy. Take the year off. You could, you could throw off. Brown
1: out there. You could throw Mike Brown out there, and they still won because they did. I'm my gosh,
0: <laughs> my gosh. Uh, but here's here's the thing is. I, is as much as we joke and, mm-hmm. and and back and forth, and it is really funny. I I think that we do have to seriously take a look at Alabama and say, where will Jalen Hurts be this year in his production as a quarterback? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people looked at Jalen Hurts and they'd be like, oh, you mean that that really good fourth running back for <laughs> for Alabama? No, 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 he's the quarterback. But yes, I see the confusion. I mean he had like nine hundred and fifty four rushing yards on the ground. Um I I think though he really has he has a lot of of opportunity to be able to improve as a passer. And I think that if he's able to improve as a passer while still being consistently good on the ground, I mean <laughs> he doesn't have to never run, but maybe just do it less and throw a little bit more, but only if you're accurate, of course. I think that he can get a lot better. And I think they're going to need him to get a lot better as a quarterback because they've got the running backs. They've got Bo Scarborough. They've got Harris, too. If if he can stay healthy, that will be great. Ground pound, big boy. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Damian Harris, let's not forget about him. He's awesome. And he had 7.1 yards per game on average, per carry on average in – each game excuse me but this guy was really good the running backs for alabama really good what's alabama gonna lean on this year the running backs why they're really good uh but i still want to be able to see what jalen hurts is able to do year two year one i was thrilled i was thrilled with him he came in and he's this guy you know this guy who wow this is kind of different for alabama you got a quarterback who can run huh how are we gonna do this That was exciting. That was cool. But another guy that we also need to talk about is is how will Calvin Ridley play into all of this. And we talked about Calvin Ridley. Had a whole segment on him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh Make sure you go and check out that segment. If you have not checked it out, talks about Calvin Ridley. Talks about him this season. Talks about how he will Uh, Fair against some of the other top receivers heading to the NFL draft next year. But two guys who I can tell you went to the NFL draft and are now in the NFL are Darius Stewart and O.J. Howard. They are no longer there. Two really big targets to go to. O.J. Howard would be the
1: big one in that receiving game that's gone. Huge,
0: huge, huge. But I think now Ridley is going to be called upon more to Mm -hmm. not be just the deep threat. He's going to be the, the
1: all-around threat. The, He's got to uh, be.
0: You know, the mid-pass attack, mm-hmm. the short-passing game. He's going to be the guy who's going to be called upon to kind of do it all. But at the same time, Ricky, for him personally, I think that's going to help him to be an even better all-around wide receiver who can do it all, and that could certainly help, I think, his draft stock Come next year, he's always oh, not just a deep threat.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's
0: not just a short passing attack guy.
1: To me, there are two things that Alabama needs to do to be successful this year: one, run the ball successfully. You were talking about the running backs. I since it, since 2011, here are the list of running backs that Alabama has produced, and you guys can probably probably say them along with me. You know them: Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson. Eddie Lacy was pretty good. T.J. Yeldon was pretty good. You had Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake behind him. Alabama knows one thing on offense. It knows, recently, how to produce running backs. And it knows how to produce running backs who play well in college while they're at Alabama. So if they're able to run the ball and control games, control the tempo of games, and be able to dictate what they want to do, Kind of like when you see like those animals where it's like, oh, it's a good animal for attacking because it kind of pins its prey and allows it to, you're going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to do what you do. I'm. You're going to do what I want to do. That's what Alabama is going to be because of their run game. The second thing, we haven't mentioned them yet, but the defensive side, how are they going to rebuild the front seven? That's the biggest question mark to me. That front seven that lost a few pieces. Five. And... The one five guys in the NFL and the one that I'm looking at because maybe I look at him because I remember way back when, way back when he was a recruit being recruited. I used to write for a recruiting website um for fan And I remember writing articles about Deshaun Hand and where is he going to go? Who is he going to be good with after he signed with Alabama? And I was excited for him. But after that first two years, you kind of forgot about him because he went to Alabama, and Alabama didn't need a freshman starting on the front seven. So he's the guy I look at to fill one of those holes on the front seven and kind of step up as the upperclassman. But like you said, they got to replace five of seven positions on that front seven alone.
0: They've got to replace five of the of, you know those uh, front seven positions for sure but i think that one of the things that kind of make me excited about it that yeah they'll be able to do it is the fact that all five of those guys every single one of them is in the nfl mm-hmm. and alabama has been very well known for oh five out
1: five in just producing five NFL out ta- five in
0: so i'm not worried about that They led the league last year with 54 sacks. If they can continue Mm -hmm. to get to the quarterback and get to the quarterback early and get to the quarterback often, they're going to continue to repeat that number or come close to it. Another thing for them, too, though, and and I'm saying these things like with full confidence. Oh yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, It's fine. It's fine. Um, but they 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 no longer have Jonathan Allen. It's first time in four years they don't have Jonathan Allen mm-hmm. there either as, as as a good anchor for that defense. But the secondary I think looks to be intact, uh, anchored by Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I think that you know him and a couple of his buddies back there will be able to do a really good job, and and I think that will still be able to be a strong suit for Alabama. I think that. I know I am probably overconfident in how they'll be on the front side of the defense only because of what they've been able to show the last couple of years. There hasn't been any fall off, so you Mm -hmm. just don't question it. You know, it's Alabama's defense. When's the last time Alabama's defense was bad?
1: Never. Never. That's what I think. Exactly, I can't remember, but exactly.
0: I, I, if there is someone out there who who's watching us right now, and probably you can, before Nick Saban. And, and you can tell me when the last time that Alabama's defense was bad, please let me know. Are we put the stipulation
1: I, 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 of just during the Saban years.
0: I, I think. I think <laughs> if there was a bad year under Nick Saban, really dig and find it for me because I don't remember one. I don't remember a bad defense in the uh, in college football with Nick Saban as the head coach. Of Alabama. I don't remember it. So if you can find it, if you remember one, if you're a Bama fan, you're like, ah, oh, this year they sucked. Let me know because I'm interested. Because his, that's that's his worst why. season
1: record wise was twenty ten, with ten and three. They went five or no, I'm sorry, two thousand seven. His first year they went two and six, four and one, um, when he took over in two thousand seven.
0: But I think that we're in twenty fifteen now. Yeah. Years down the road, he's built up a, a dynasty. There. Fourteen
1: and one the past two years, seven and or seven and one, eight zero oh in the conference the last two years. One conference loss. He the last time he had more than one SEC loss. The only time after two thousand eight was two thousand ten when he had three. That was it.
0: That was yeah. it. It's the only time. And that's why, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to continue to think that they're going to be con- mm-hmm. continuing to just produce this great talent because why Nick Saban can recruit him and his team can recruit and they know how to do it. They know what they're going to need and they go for it. They get it. They get it. And I, I think that that's, that's something that's always been there. So it's never been something that I've ever worried about.
1: And I pull up that 2013 team. Cause I'm like, Oh, I wonder who was on defense. Do you want to hear just the the starters for their defense that year? Yes. You had um, Noseguard, uh, Josh Chapman. You had defensive end, Marcel Darius, NFL player. Luther Davis, defensive end. Donta Hightower, linebacker. He's in the NFL. Patriots. Um, Courtney Upshaw, linebacker, NFL. Um, Nico Johnson, linebacker. Jarrell Harris, linebacker. Drake Kirkpatrick, cornerback, NFL. Um, Robert Lester, safety. Mark Barron, safety. It wasn't a bad day. Like, on paper, it's like, oh, that's not a bad defense no I mean to me maybe the biggest thing was that was the year they had Greg McElroy at quarterback maybe that was the reason they lost to South Carolina LSU and Auburn that year those were the losses they had and then they still beat Michigan State in the Citrus Bowl that year the worst year that Nick Saban has had and the one thing I want to ask you moving on to the schedule we got to talk about the big thing the big thing with this team we talked about with Florida State I'm going to mention it now. That first game, they're playing Florida State neutral site just like they played the USC Trojans last year. I'm going to ask you, how does that game go down? Is that even a challenge? Because I know for Florida State, we got comments in that comment section where they said, that's the national championship for them. That's a national championship game. Could Bama get upset week one? Give me your best pitch that... That's even a game for Florida State against Alabama.
0: I I think the easiest comment to go to and say that it's a game is DeAndre Francois. You've got a proven quarterback at that position for Florida State You've got a guy who's been in some who was in some big games mm-hmm. last year. You got a guy who remembers his first game last year that was on ESPN that they played against Ole Miss. And boy, were they stinking for a while. They end up coming back and winning that game. So he knows how opening games are. He knows how big games are. He knows how tight games are. And he's played well in them. And I think that florida state the biggest thing with them last year i think we talked about it in the florida state video in the acc preview was that their defense needed to get better their defense needed to shore up uh spots in the passing game they left so many points uh in they let through so many points and 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 you know, giving up 60-some points against Louisville and, and just just bags of points. That can get out of hand in a hurry with Alabama. But the reason I think it can be a game is because that defense, A, has got to be better, and I, I quite frankly I think will be. DeAndre Francois is now going to get a is going to be in his second season, and he was very good last year. And as we've talked with Jalen Hurts, what are they going to do production-wise in, in year two? Mm-hmm. Hertz, you know, really good as a running quarterback, but you'd like to see him develop more as a, a passer. Kind of like
1: F- we talked about with Fitzgerald with Michigan State, but Hertz is on a whole nother different level. Exactly.
0: And, and uh, DeAndre Francois, people want to see how he's able to grow in mm-hmm. his year two. So I think that this has the making of a potentially good game. But if Alabama's defense is able to even replicate somewhat of what they did last year overall in the season, 54 sacks, able to get to the quarterback, able to pressure, 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 it's going to be difficult for Francois to get comfortable week one because you're not going up against Colorado State week
1: one. Hey, L. Al- Alabama's got them on the schedule. It's just the third game instead of the first game. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: not, it's not a cupcake week one. Mm-hmm. and I, I credit Florida State and I credit BAM for doing that because that means you got some balls on you and you're like, you know what, screw it. Let's just go out there and do it. So, so I tried to pitch mm-hmm. you to make it seem like, like there, this game. was going to be a game, but I'm not even BSing you. I think that this could be a game. I'm not saying for how long, but I'm saying that this could be a game because when you have a good quarterback, mm-hmm. you can't count a team out. If you know if you say if you told me that they didn't you didn't know what pieces they had at, at wide receiver, you didn't know what pieces they had at running back, but you told me Tom Brady's going to be leading the Cleveland Browns. Fuck. Tom Brady is leading the Browns. You know, you would be <laughs> nervous.
1: You'd be nervous a little bit, a little bit. Um, this season for Alabama, to me, comes down to two games and their bookends. It comes down to the first. It comes down to the last. I mean, LSU will give up a fight. They will lose. Um, Texas a doesn't have a chance. Um, Tennessee, good luck. Um, it just it comes down to me where it's Florida State and Auburn are the only two teams on this schedule that I will give— And I'm going to use a boxing term here. Going to give them a a puncher's chance to win that game. That's it. Those are the only two. And the way I'm looking at this season, Florida State will most likely lose that game. And to me, the only real contender to beat Alabama is Auburn. And that's why I think we are going to have an SEC West championship game to end the year. Winner goes on to the title game and most likely the winner goes to the playoffs unless that situation we talked about in the Auburn preview happens where Auburn comes in one loss, Alabama comes in no losses, and Auburn beats them and Auburn becomes the Penn State of this year. Like, that. otherwise it's winner of that game will most likely be going to the playoffs. There's even an opportunity where, let's be honest, if either of the teams, Alabama and um, Auburn win that game we could be in a situation where even if they lost the title game they would still finish 4 in the playoff seedings like that is how confident I am in A Alabama and I'm kind of a li- like people might say I'm overhyping Auburn but I think this division is going to come down to Alabama and Auburn to end the year That's that's what I think I think it's going to be a two dog race those two at the top and if you're asking me, Ricky, who you're putting your money on, you would be stupid not to say Roll Tide. You would be stupid not to say Roll Tide, although I, would, I wouldn't be mad if we had a War Eagle in the playoff instead of Alabama. I know you'd be upset, but I wouldn't.
0: Well, Ricky, just to let you know, if we were going based, if we were, if we were trying to see which game was going to be the best based on tickets available... From the price that they're available at Mm -hmm. on ESPN, looking at their schedule. It has next to it um, tickets and stuff like pricing. Hold on. This is a fun stat. I hate this. This this is a fun stat,
1: though. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, So for the Florida State game, there are 773 tickets available from Uh $396. The Auburn game, there are 2,474 tickets available from $209. The third most popular game would be Texas A&M, 2,957 tickets available from $136. And then the fourth one, and this one, I know it's it's got (laughs) to be false. It's the game at Vanderbilt, 1,402 available from $114. So going based on that, it would go Florida State, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Vandy.
1: Here's the reason why I hate doing that. It's because, of course, the price for – just using Florida State and Auburn. Of course, the price for Florida State is going to be higher right now because we are closer to that game. We are so – far. that's why – I don't think it
0: has anything to do with the fact that it's on ABC. Yeah,
1: that's that too. But that's – when you buy tickets, it's like, well, why did they cost so much? Well, we bought them the week of or we bought them the day before. It's kind of like you're held – at gunpoint then, basically, because it's like I either go to the game or I overpay for it. Where if you're going to buy them in advance, now I'm giving ticket lessons that I don't have to give. Ticket if lessons. If you buy them don't you in want advance, you will pay less. So that's your little economics here. But... Before we kick it off to them, before I end this podcast, any last thoughts on Roll Tide?
0: Uh, no, but I do have a last thought on ticket preferences mm-hmm. and, and and ticket lessons. Okay. Um, okay. You know, you said that if you buy them way in advance, they're cheaper. The day before, they're going to be expensive. Not so fast on Chicago White Sox tickets. If you buy Chicago White Talk Sox... Talk about good teams, Brandon. Shut your mouth. Shut your whore mouth and go back to your home on whore island.
1: Okay, Ron Burgundy.
0: Thank you very much. Glad you got it. But... <laughs> White Sox tickets, you can get them the day before, and they will be cheap. You can get yeah, them day up, and they them. will be cheap. Well, the hell with you, <laughs> I do. But, uh, no, I think Alabama is going to have another really strong season. I think Jalen Hurts is going to continue to make strides in year two for him. Um, and this is the first time that that uh, Coach, Coach Saban has had a quarterback that's gone, back-to-backs that's there one season. He's there again next season since A.J. McCarron in 2013, and we all remember A.J. McCarron. No, we don't, but we do remember his girlfriend. Thank you, Brent Musburger. You are a legend and an icon to all of us.
1: Yeah, and that's how we're going to end the podcast. So thank you guys for, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you guys for checking out the video, or if you're watching the full podcast, thank you for checking out the full podcast. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, Thank you guys for giving us the download or listen. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to check out Patreon, all that good stuff, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. I want to thank you guys for checking out everything. We'll be back next week to finish up the SEC. And as always, have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.